Hello, and welcome back to The Inner Entrepreneur. In today's episode, Paul and I continue our conversation around burnout, but this one is focusing on regaining control and how to create freedom in our life as entrepreneurs. Freedom is so much of the motivation behind becoming an entrepreneur, whether it's time freedom, financial freedom, creative freedom, and the various ways we express ourselves as human beings. This is an episode where we dive into the nuts and bolts of creating that freedom, specific actions we can take, and insights from stories throughout our careers together as entrepreneurs. With that being said, let's get into it. Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Brandon Ward with my co-host, Paul Ryan, here to talk about the inner world of entrepreneurship. We're continuing our conversation on burnout. Good morning, good afternoon, (laughs) everybody, depending on what part of the world you are tuning in from. I know, Paul, the fun thing about what you and I are doing is we're literally doing it from different parts of the world, eh? We, we must figure out exactly how far we are apart. I know. That would be really, that would be really interesting. Yeah. The other side. You know, the, um, literally. I, wa- I was watching college football started this weekend here in the States. I'm a huge college football fan. I just love football in general. I, I, I played, I did not play college football. I played football growing up. I played baseball growing up, like 10, 12 years of each sport growing up. Yeah. So it's a big part of my life as a kid. So I just love this time of year. But I was watching the Notre Dame Navy game, and they played that game in Ireland. That's right. They played over the weekend in Ireland, yeah. Yeah. It was huge. And we were going to meet friends in town, and people were saying, like, the traffic. We didn't actually go into the city because traffic was crazy. Why did they play? I mean, Ireland's a great country. Obviously, I'm an Irishman. But why did they play us <laughs> here? The, so no, Notre Dame fighting Irish. That's a, it's a Catholic school, so they, that's... They, I, I don't think they've ever done that before. So because they're the fighting Irish, it was really cool, man. They had the, they had the Iron, Ireland flag on, on their helmets, like in a, yeah. in a subtle way. That stadium that they played that's at, the man, Aviva, was. That's the Aviva Stadium. I have, it was I beautiful. Have, I haven't been to any games there, but I have seen Billy Joel and the police. Are you too young to remember the police? Nice. No, I know both of those. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. I haven't gone to see any football game. But yeah, I saw Billy Joel there a couple of years ago. That's but, rad. Yeah. I bet that was super fun. Yeah. All our, that's cool. All our, it's a beautiful stadium. All our Irish rugby is played there. So, Yeah, right. That's, well, r- rugby was a huge influence in American football. Yeah. But anyway, a topic for a different time. It's, eh? like, it's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Paul, so we were last speaking about control, regaining control of your life, regaining control of your time. A lot of people struggle with control really and 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 how to say no how to set boundaries how to reclaim your life a lot of times we can be driven by obligation have to shoulds all of those things and so we're going to continue on the conversation around control how to regain control of your life ultimately because we've gone through the burnout process and awareness but we're coming into the action component of this and really this is where we I think in a lot of ways the the rubber starts to meet the road yeah. With the gaining control. I think when we talk about the inner entrepreneur, oh, we discussed this. To us, an entrepreneur is many, we're business owners. Many of our listeners will be business owners. But an entrepreneur, to, in my mind, is anyone who is of that creative spirit, who wants to get control and influence over their life and, and, and be a creator in their life. I think it's impossible to do that without some control over your life. The, if an outside source controls everything in your life, then how can you, that entrepreneurial spirit is not there. And interesting in my conversations with entrepreneurs and younger, newer entrepreneurs, the finding this driver is this pursuit of freedom. That And it, it, it's interesting, it always struck me uh, a couple of years ago, actually climbing up a hill, I think somewhere in Croatia on a bike, cycling beside a fellow on, entrepreneur, and it's realizing that why were we entrepreneurs for freedom? ultimately. And you don't have freedom if you simply don't have control over your diary. And that, and, and that's what it comes down to. So what these pieces are about is how do we begin to get control over your time and over your diary? Because if you don't get that, you're not going to get control over, you're not going to get control over much. That's, 
I think that's the starting point and that's where it comes from. And where we took that to was, I said, I, I have mostly entire freedom over my diary, but I didn't fall out of bed and stumble across that. I started decades ago planning and building that. Um, and when I began planning and building that, I had zero control over my diary. So mm. for people listening now going, oh, easy for those guys to say, yeah, you start somewhere small and you get there. So we're not talking from a point where going, hey, I've complete control over my diary. It's, it doesn't matter where you are. Let's get started and get control over one piece. That's, that's the start. Well, and Paul, I'm actually at an earlier phase in my journey. So I don't have nearly the control over the time that you've created for yourself. And I say you've created for yourself because I think that's very important to note is, as you just said, you didn't start like that. You've made it so. And I think there's a, early on in our entrepreneurial journeys, there's a lot of building and grinding. Like it doesn't mean I, I'm, I am, I push back on a lot of the hustle culture where it's like endless, the grind forever concepts, but you do have to put in a lot of time, especially early on when you're building a business and you're, you're giving a lot more than you're gaining usually. And, but to your point, this revolves around that freedom. And I think there's so many people, when I talk to entrepreneurs, it's almost always driven by their desire to be free, to live the life that they want. And you mentioned too, you, you can, you don't even have to be an, a business owner to be an entrepreneur per se, because it's really that creative freedom that could be driving you too. So I think freedom and entrepreneurship go really hand in hand. So I'm excited to continue on how to really get back to creating freedom in your own life. And I think go ahead, that's the question, isn't it? How do I create the life I want? How do I create freedom in, in my life? Many people who ask that question will, many people who ask that question will go on to be entrepreneurs, but many will not because that's not, because we've all got different values and maybe that career, wealth, income is not as important to them as other areas of freedom in their life. And maybe they found a career where it works, for, works really well. I, maybe they're a school teacher or something and they finish the trade talk in the afternoon and they've got long summers off and they go, do you know this, I really like this, this works really well for me. It's a lifestyle, but they're creating another part of the life. Another common trend to all our conversations has been values. Um, and fundamentally this is what do you decide to be a school teacher or what do you decide to be a business owner? It, it comes back to what are your highest personal priorities? What are your values? What are the small number of things that really matter to you? And I think it's really important that there's, you refer to this hustle culture. There's a lot of people want to tell you, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing this. What they're really saying is they need to be, or I, this is what I need to be doing. And they're assuming everyone else should do that. Now that may be right for them and it may not be right for you. When you end up, we go to the whole burnout. How do you end up in overwhelmed? How do you end up in burnout? You end up two things. You end up by not having control over your diary, but you end up doing things that are low on your value that you probably shouldn't be doing in the, in the first place. So we're not here to hustle Pete Everton into starting a business. We're not here to hustle Everton into having, into make, to being six figure incomes or whatever the goal is. We're here to hustle people into going, who am I? What's the life I want to create? Yeah. And, and what does that look like? And only looking in the mirror when you're asking that question, not looking to someone else to what their values are. You find very different values. But I, the most important thing is that whatever your values are, whatever you want to create, is that you start. And bit by bit, you begin building that. You don't, you want to create, you want to create a vision, not a fancy. And the vision is, this is the life I would love to live. I can remember, it could be 25 years ago. I, I don't remember, but I do remember sitting at my, a desk in, in my office and sitting here and going, I want to sit here someday and have nothing to do to run my business that well, that I have nothing to do. So it, that could be 20 years ago, could be 25 years. Ago. I can't remember how long it was ago, but I set out with that goal. I want to have a very successful business, but I want to have nothing to do except oversee this business. When you set out that goal, the difference between that's a vision. Uh, and the difference in that as a fantasy is you do that and you're willing to put the work in to deliver on that goal. You're willing to do the years of work and you're willing to learn. I sat there snowed under 
but this was my vision. It wasn't my current reality. But my mindset was, how do I get from here to here? What's the gap? How do I fill the gap? Like, mm. It doesn't really matter what, doesn't really matter what the gap is. What matters is, are you doing something to move it, to, to move in that direction? And a very simple starting point is to see where you can get control over your diary. What is it that you can begin to, um, eke as part of your design and not somebody else's design. I love that. And I love the distinction between vision versus fantasy, because one, you're building your vision when you're taking actions towards those things, small little actions, like you just said, like it starts by getting control of your life. But then that last, the difference between a vision and a fantasy is you're taking action towards the vision. A fantasy is just wishfully thinking and hoping that something will change or something will come about, but you're not doing anything to drive the change. Right. And that's where I think the distinction between what we're talking about is crucial is because we want you to take control of the things that you can, and it starts with those really small things. And that's really, I think, what we're leading into right now. And, and it's it starts with understanding your values. What are the highest pro personal priorities that we have? And what are the small number of things that really matter to you? So like, bu start building around that. I I'd love for you to expand a little bit on that, Paul, if you can. What I talk about is designing your everyday around your values and then planning a life to support, to supporting your values. So when you become clear on your values, you're still in the fantasy realm to some degree, you should go, these are the things that are really important to me. This is how I want to use my time. This is how I want to live my life. And then the next step is how do I design my life around that? Um, and how do I begin to more bring in more of those things into my life? And had a conversation, I was asked a question with someone a while ago about life purpose. And I find a lot of people are confused. Maybe, maybe I can come up with a better word, unclear about what life purpose is. And they're looking for the grand thing. They're looking for the Nelson Mandela type purpose in their life. Mm. They're looking for the Gandhi type purpose in their life, <laughs> and which is fine, but can be elusive um, and noble, but elusive. Noble, that's, noble, that's but not, not very a, elusive. Not though. elusive if you're Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, but, <laughs> but here's the thing in both those cases, in, in both those cases, because both individuals, I know a bit about their lives because I'm interested in, in both of them, but both of them were pursuing something that they were hugely drawn to do. Nelson mm. Mandela was in prison for 27 years or something. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And you want to talk about owning your values. Uh, my goodness. But he, like that's, yeah, that's a prime yeah, example. But, but this is the point is he wasn't owning my values. This was something that was massively important to him. Likewise at Gandhi, it was massively. So he was looking inside and going, my life, I am compelled to do this. And that's what he did. I'm not compelled personally to save the planet. I don't feel drawn to be a Gandhi or a, Nelson Mandela, but that doesn't mean I'm not drawn and I've spoken about my values before, but if I talk about my values, I am drawn to these four or five things in my life. And they are obsession is a strong word, but they are what my life totally centers around. And so when someone asks me, what's your life purpose? I go, I am instinctively drawn to pursue these four or five values. Therefore, that's the purpose of my life because there's no, nothing external calling me to that. I am just drawn to that. And therefore, for me, the simple formal, formula for happiness, for fulfillment, and for purpose has to be, what am I drawn to? What are my internal values? Understanding those and creating a life doing those every day. Because if you get out of bed in the morning and your life is around filling fulfilling these values, you will find yourself a lot of happiness in your life. You will certainly feel, feel fulfilled. And I'm not sure if you'll ever ask the question about purpose because your life will feel purposeful because you've centered your life around these things. And I would say to anyone, follow me around for a day, a week, a year. And in each activity you see me involved in, Stop me, go, oh, explain to me how you've shown me that you four values. Explain to me how what you're doing now supports those values. And each activity in my day, now because I've been at this a long time, but each activity in my day 
I can go, yes, this supports this value, this value, this value. If something supports more than two or three values, you're addicted to it. So every part of every my days, every part of every piece of my day is me fulfilling my values. Um, and once you do that, your life becomes a lot simpler and, and you will feel a lot more fulfillment. So I just think that's really important. But to do that, I have to have a degree of control over, yeah. over what I do. What's interesting, Paul, this is when we're talking about values too and, and meaning, purpose, there's a quote, I'm going to not, it's going to paraphrase it by Joseph Campbell, though. He talks about life being meaningless. We create meaning though. Yes. Like the purpose of life isn't this grand thing. Like you were saying, it really is what we create to it and what we add to it. And in the scenario you just described about your own values, in that sense, each of our purpose is really just living true to who we are, living authentic to who we are and aligning our life with our internal values. And in my mind, if we're doing that, then we are living our quote unquote purpose. There can be no more purposeful living than living true to who we are in alignment with our values and expressing those values in everything that we do. Like in my mind, that's the pinnacle of human expression. And it's going to be different for each of us. It is. I can't see how, I can't see how there's any, anything more important than living your values. Uh, and I would suggest that anything else you do is a waste of your time because we have so little time. And I think once you become very clear in your values, my values are, uh, my diary, because it's a paper diary, gets replenished every quarter. And I take a new chunk of paper and I put it, which I did over the weekend. And I trans transfer my values into the back of the diary. So I can once we go down and go add these to my values, because I don't assume mm. that they will always be my values for the rest of my life. Um, I I've said before, fa family is number on my values, but my, but my sons are now adults, so I'm not taking care of them every day. So the, the value shifts. It doesn't mean it's not important, but the values shift. I think the thing about it is that the reason I note those values in, in my diary, my planner is because once you become very clear on your values, you become very discerning. And so <laughs> when I'm setting up my day, my week, and it, this is when you get down to the planning of your diary, I'm very clear on what my values, what my personal priorities are. And so I'm looking that everything aligns. It's not work for me anymore because it's just automatic that everything I'm doing aligns, aligns with my values. I'm fortunate that I get to spend, take a lot of time off, spend a lot of time on holidays. There's a lot of, when I spend a month in Spain, there's a lot of similarities to what I'm doing when I'm at home, because you're living around your values all of the time. But I think that's that once you're clear and you, be, you become discerning and now everything that goes into your diary, you're checking, is this important to me? Does it really, really matter? And your diary is just a tool for that. But I think it's an important tool because I've been doing this a long time and maybe to, to people who aren't clear on this, maybe I sound like I have a lot of clarity on it. Even having been doing this a long time, I get distracted just like everyone else. I turn up on this. That's just human nature. So the allocated time once a week, which I, I think I did yesterday, but the allocated time once a week that I sit down and I just root quickly scan down my values. That's what's really important to me in life. And I start planning my week around it. That allocation focuses me. So when I came to my desk this morning, I had already decided there were a few things that I really want to get boxed off today. When I get those things ticked off, I can then very easily look back and go, what am I doing now? But it's all based on if distractions are, it may occur and it will occur and it's natural. But I have a list of things I'm working on. So it's a discipline. It's a tool for me because I'm human. I get distracted like every other human being. And we just need to work around that. And, and, and when you get clear in these things and get them written down on paper, I just think for me, it just helps me focus. It just helps me focus enormously. Huge. So the first step is really going to get that clarity around your values and what matters to you. And then you're going to be looking at, once you get an idea of what those values are, now you're going to start assessing the gap between the values that really matter to you and the values that you're living. 
Because especially when we do this in the beginning, it's probably going to be a wide gap between those two things, right? Like how we're living versus the way we want to be living. And I think, uh, and we were talking about this last week, but part of it is also once we start understanding what we need and what our values are, learning to say no, setting boundaries, doing it in a, in a kind way. Like it's, it's okay to say no to things and starting to turn away. Cause you, you mentioned this quote Warren Buffett, from Warren Buffett, I right? Love, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Say no to almost everything and yes to almost nothing. And it's a paraphrase. And, I'm not sure if that's the exact quote. Yeah. But, but, but ultimately it is, it's, you're stripping away all the noise yeah. and because if, when we don't do that, we're allowing all the things that don't matter to us to crowd into our life and they naturally crowd out the things that do matter. And that's really the challenge of it is <clears throat> understanding what matters to us and then working persistently to ensure that we're aligned. And Paul, in my mind, like you just said, it's not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. Yeah. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad weeks. Hell, man, you're going to have bad years, potentially. I've had bad years, you know, but it's. As long as you are coming back and those values are in your heart, you're living like they're your true north in many ways. That's really what it's about. It, but it's if we can get to a point where we're doing this 80% of the time, we're living in alignment with our values, then I think we were, we're killing it, you, really. If, if you're 80% of the time, you're 75% ahead of every human being yeah. on the planet. Exactly. Well, Oprah Winfrey wrote a book. I can't even remember what it was called in the last year or two. And uh, I listened to an audible, but she spoke about when she became famous, and now she's a very wealthy woman. And so she was inundated from people looking for her to support this charity, donate to this charity. And literally wise, she was inundated. She's Oprah Winfrey. If you can imagine, everyone's going, she's rich. <clears throat> Let, let's hit her for money. So she said she found it really stressful at the beginning because she couldn't say yes to everything. And she's continually being bombarded both to support things personally and to the day money things. And her point of clarity was in, so all this distraction and opportunities out there, but her point of clarity was deciding where she would put her attention. So she decided this is what I'm, this is what I'm focusing on. I'm now just supporting these things. And then she could very easily refuse everything else. So when all the other invitations comes in, she would write back, wish them very well and go, no, that's not where I put my attention in. So she felt better about that. But I think it's, it's very much the same thing. In your day, if you haven't decided what your priorities are and what you're focusing on, then someone else will decide what those priorities are. Um, and if someone else deciding those priorities are, then your life is going a different direction. I think this is what happens with so many people. And I see it all the time that people are scattered and their attention is scattered. I decided to someone recently, I said, what's more effective? Do you want a leopard sitting by your side that's still and quiet? And when the prey appears, it darts and it's in action. Or do you want a crazy kitten bouncing around all the time? Chaos everywhere. And that's what people's attention is. And that's most people's attention is a crazy kitten. Oh, here. Hey, oh, I, that must be so tired. And very few people's attention and focus is the still quiet panther. And when you say it to anyone, you go, which is the most powerful animal? It's obvious. The panther's preserving its energy and going, I do this. Mm. I wait till this crosses the plane and I kill it. And the kitten just wants to go everywhere. And most of our minds, in my opinion, are like the crazy kitten that's jumping all over the place. Uh, and therefore we have no control over lives. We have very little influence in our lives. And I, I don't know who said where, where, where focus goes, energy flows. Can't remember who said it, but a lot of people uh, have said it. But your, your focus and your attention is probably the most powerful tool in your army for any of us. It's mm. what, we choose, what we choose to focus on. And I, I heard something recently, and it's, it said that our, fo our focus, our attention is, is very powerful, but it's like watering your garden. And the water is indiscriminate. So you have seed, uh, if you have weeds in your garden and you water them, they will grow. The water bring life to everything. And if you have roses in your garden and you wash them, they will grow. And your attention and your focus is exactly like the water. So the question is, values and your diary, are you deciding where this powerful 
tool is focused or you wake up in the day and it's open for anyone to call your attention and your focus anywhere. You'll find the most successful people in the world, I think, are hugely focused people. They really, they've doubled down on something, whatever that is, and they're hugely focused on that. And in, in simple terms, what does that mean when I say they're, they're hugely focused? They have a bundle of energy and they're putting it on this pinpoint here. Mm -hmm. You and I or everyone else have a bundle of energy and we're putting it everywhere. What do you think is likely to get more, more results? You're spreading it everywhere. And that's the, they've chosen the one plant in their garden that they're watering a couple of times, a couple of times a day and they're not watering everything else. Everything else dies off. They don't care whether they're watering this. And that's, I think, what we need to do with our focus and our attention. Our values tell us what is the area of the garden we should focus on. Our attention is the tool we, fo we focus on. When you don't, on a practical level, when you don't have control over your diary, then your, your attention is everywhere and it's scattered. And the time I spend every week sitting down and focusing is just me simply going, where am I, what's important to me and where am I putting my attention this week? It's very simple. And that's the power of the planner, isn't it, Paul? That's the it power of your planner. It or is your... for me. And, and that's what I was going to say too. I think it's important because you've mentioned your diary, you have your, your notebook, your hard notebook that you use. I, I have a, I have a remarkable, yeah. which is like my digital notebook that I have. I have ClickUp as a, a project management tool on my computer. So I have a way we it's what matters though, is it's not <laughs> the Paul Ryan way no. or the Brandon Ward way. What matters is your def you need to get a sense of all the things that you need to do mm -hmm. and your responsibilities. Right. And then you also have to look at your values and start to remove the noise from the mismatches there. But that's also how you get organized because if you don't do that, the world is so chaotic. There's things that are consistently pulling your attention. You're going to get sidetracked. So having a system to organize yourself, whatever it may be, yeah. if it's sticky and notes that you have, like it doesn't matter. It's, I think it's just finding I don't think it works, matters. right? And I think there's lots of systems out there and we're not in the systems business. And that's not a nope. podcast. And I think, but it's cool. You use the remarkable, I, I use it. A plan where I write into it. It really it's it's what suits it's what suits you. But I think like so many things in life, people chase the system. They chase the pro, pro productivity. Oh, well, yeah. I get a planner, post that's great, and I'll use that. It doesn't really work for them. I'm going to try the remarkable. See if that works for me. That doesn't really work for. Me. So they're looking for more productivity tools, and they can go. The tool is not the problem here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the tool is not the problem. Choose your tool of preference. The problem is your attention. Do you know what's important to you? And are you putting your attention there? I think so. No, the tool makes no difference whatsoever. Brenda mine recommended to me recently that I get the Remarkable. I haven't, but I've upgraded my iPad. It literally just arrived about a half an hour before we start today. And I got a pen for that. So maybe I'll find in the future that I transfer nice. something digital. I got a pen because I, I like the process of writing. But you know, so what that led on for me back to a business was, so I have the values that are really important to me and I realized I, I could break that down because obviously many years ago, I was focusing a lot of time on my business and I thought if I'm focusing this time on my business, maybe I need to understand my business values as well. Wouldn't that be useful to me? So I said, again, I looked at all the, and just like I said, you can follow me around and look at any activity I have during the day and go, what value is that supporting, Paul? Uh, and if it's not supporting, why are you doing it? Which I think is a great set of questions for anyone to ask themselves. So I did that from a business point of view. And I looked at everything I was doing. And I realized that in my business, I only ever had six priorities. And I realized, I called them my six business values. And so I wrote them down in my diary as well. And I thought about them a lot. And I said to myself, Am I ever thinking or focusing on anything else in the business? Well, no. Now, you may walk in and I may appear to be doing something else, but you go, what value is that supporting? What's the goal of that? So I came up with six business values and I list through the six business values. I realized that I was, these things are always important to me. One is that I'm always supporting and driving the culture within our organization. And we are going to do a whole piece in culture because to me, 
from a business. Which I'm excited about, by the way. What? I love culture, Paul. It's I've been a part of some really bad cultures too. You have. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. You have a lot of there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I've been a part of some really bad cultures as well. So every, everyone has. So yeah, for real. culture to me is, is just fundamental. When I transformed our business, fundamentally, I transformed the culture. That was it. You transform the culture and everything else changed. So culture is hugely, is, is hugely important. But I realized, so that's a priority of mine and I'm always watching that the culture is right. My second priority was the profitability. If the business is not profitable. Paul, can I stop you real quick? I want to say something too. I love that you, as a successful CEO of an eight-figure business, prioritizes culture above profitability. That's not true for a lot of companies that are ran in the world today, particularly publicly traded companies. I understand fiscal responsibility is a huge part of that, but I also think that prioritizing profits above all things is very toxic for our culture as, a, as humans. And so I love that your priority as a business, a successful business owner, right? Eight figure business is culture. So I just, I'm going to get you back into profitability, but I think it's important to note that because I'm hoping over time that becomes more of a thing in our society because I think it will really help us as a species in the way we build businesses and the way we treat each other. And off my soapbox. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> this is going to take some little rabbit hole, which for, for, for a moment, this morning I, I went to my barber for a haircut because it's obviously it's later in the day here in Ireland than it is for you. And I randomly picked a book from my bookshelf behind that I would read in the barbers. I think I put it back in this book here. <laughs> called the Bogle effect. I don't mm. know who Jack Bogle is. No, I haven't. I haven't. I don't know if I have that well, on my list. If you're a keen investor and the two topics you never get Paul onto are investing and meditation because he never shuts up. So I'm not going to go down and invest <laughs> in rabbit hole because I'm a very keen investor. But Jack Bogle founded Vanguard. Have you heard of Vanguard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he founded, <laughs> he's the founder of Vanguard. But the radical thing that Vanguard did was at the time, all the funds were hedge funds that charge you a lot of money to ma a lot of fees to manage your money. And what Jack Bogle realized was that almost nobody beats the market. You can pay me huge fees, but almost nobody beats the market. If almost nobody beats the market, why don't I just buy the market? And so he, he, he set up the first ETFs. I'm not an expert in it. So you've got something like the S&P 500 or the Vanguard 1000. Th these funds that basically trade the entire stock market. So the stock market goes up 10%, you're up 10%. So he figured this out. But the interesting thing was in doing it, he reduced fees and norms. So they weren't trading your funds. They were setting up funds to follow the whole market. And obviously it became usually successful because it was great value for the investors. You're set to buy a market, but you weren't paying big fees. But the interesting thing, because this book speaks more about Jack Bogle rather than him, him so much as a, what he did as a businessman, but his priority was taking care of the customer because he felt they were being, he, they were being ripped off and that was his value. And he put that, he put that way before the profitability of his business. Now he became hugely wealthy. He couldn't become a lot wealthier, but he became hugely wealthy on that principle. Uh, and it's really interesting. It, you, he, he died a couple of years ago, but you hear him speak. He really, really wanted the average investor to do really well. So I think mm. I was reading that this morning as I was waiting to get my haircut. I was thinking, we talk about this now, but about organizations that may have other values, things other than profit. Here was a guy decades ago that was doing this and built an enormous organization. But I, I have been known in, in, in meetings with my management to say to them, I have enough, which is maybe a strange thing for a business owner and a CEO to say. But I've said to some guys, I have enough. I live very well. I've raised my children. So that extensive area of life, which you're heading into, I have left <laughs> you decide. And, and, and I've sat on my, my managers and go, I, I have enough now to do me for the rest of my day. So this is great. But, but together, we, but you guys are, are 10, 15 years younger than me, the management team. But let's continue to grow and build this business and make it profitable. But I often sit in front of them and go, I have enough because I won't say I've lost the hunger, but I don't have that. I don't have that need I did to make money as I did when I was young. Mm. So maybe because, so 
So it's not that I don't want, because the second value is profitability. So it's not right. It's not that I'm not very profit focused. And half of my books here are investment books. So I wouldn't for a moment like people to think I'm not financially money and profit focused. I am, but I never put it before the people in the organization because I have real human beings working for me who have lives that matter. And genuinely to me, their well-being is more important than the profit of the business. But here's the, the sneaky thing is that if you look after people well, you end up having a more profitable business. Uh, driving back this morning, I was th thinking about this because many years ago, my wife used to tell me I looked after the people who worked for me too well. But some of those people have worked for me for decades. I don't know how much money they've made the business and to what degree I've, I've profited from that. But enormously is the answer. Now, hopefully over the decades, mm. they've done well also. And they're going, it was a great place to work. It's about win-win. But I love the course. So to me, people are the most important thing. If I have a great team of people, by the way, I get to spend my afternoons talking to Brandon. If I don't have a great team mm. of people, I got to be in there. I, I, I got to be in there doing work that I'm not suited to do and I don't want to do. But that culture is really nice. But if my business starts losing money, that's going to destroy the business pretty quickly. So I have to be profitable. The third one is growth. But growth means is are we growing revenue and are we growing profits? Our business is not always growing. If I was in a big corporate, and they would shoot me for saying that. That's just reality. I own two businesses. They're very much tied to construction in the Irish market. And when we get a, a construction dips, and that could be six, 12 month period, our business revenue will, will fall off. We recognize this because over two decades, we've seen it on, on many occasions. Doesn't worry us that much. We observe it. We run our business very well. And but growth, is growth. So that's growth of revenue and profit. So I'm always looking at that, but it's not always there. We know it'll return, but at least number four, which always has to be there, which is development. And to me, the business has to be almost evolve, almost evolving. And there have been times, particularly through recessions and problems in the business where the business has not grown. It maybe has shrunk because of market conditions, but it has developed and evolved enormously. As an organization, things have happened within it. And that's very important to me because if, it, if a company is always developing and growing and evolving, the profitability will come. And then because mm. we're a, a small privately owned business, sustainability is huge. So I want this, this business has been here for decades. I want it to be here in, in decades to come. I may not be the owner of it in the decades to come, but I'm always looking long-term for the business. It's never, what can we do in the next six months and the next 12 months? So we're looking at those things, but it's never. What can we do now if it's not good for the long term? So everything we do, every decision we make, every investment we make is sustainable for the business. And lastly, and maybe the most important thing for me, is I always need to be an owner, not an, an operator of a business. Mm -hmm. I was operator of the business for a very long time. I'm not a particularly good operator and I do not enjoy the oper operating a business. I enjoy owning, running a business. And so when I enter into my business, and if you walk into a room and I'm having a conversation with a manager or I'm thinking about my business, it's always one of these six, th six things. For me, once I clarified these priorities, I just became very aware that this is how I should allocate my time and I should be anything that's not on that list. I just shouldn't, I just shouldn't be doing it. So you don't have to be a CEO or a business owner to go, what are the high impact things I can do? and get those things scheduled and make sure I'm focusing on those things. Back to the wall where you're watering the roses, you're watering the weeds. If you have a distracted mind, that kitten mind is jumping all over the place, you're not going to listen to this podcast and tomorrow change that. But you can turn it, this, the redirect. You can begin to mm. turn in your direction and slowly, very slowly dial it in the other direction. So I would encourage people to be aware of that in anything they're doing. What are their priorities? What are the highest value activities I can be doing and get focused on doing those. And Paul, it's great because you're talking about two types of values, your personal values, which your career, your business, whatever should feed your personal values, yes. right? They're going to serve those personal values. And then your business or career oriented values. If you're not an entrepreneur or a business owner, you can still have, you should still have career values 
whether whatever and you mentioned it earlier right as a you mentioned the school teacher versus the business owner perhaps freedom and, and making an impact in your community influencing young individuals maybe those are your career values that are super important yeah. I, like which is where being a school teacher makes sense for someone like you Paul that might not make a ton of sense yeah. based on the the business or career values mm -hmm. that you have and the skill set that you hold right i think that's important too is is recognizing the things that you enjoy to do, the things that you're good at, the things that you're not good at, and then consider your kind of career business oriented values related to those things and, and who you are, right? Always coming back yes. to who you are. Always coming back to who you are. And I think if you know what my personal values are and you look at the business values, then you're not surprised. And you're probably not, pro you're probably not surprised to see culture high up on the list because it just matches my values. Now, if you employ me in a business where that business only wants to make money and doesn't really care about how we treat the people or how we treat partners we work with or how we treat, doesn't really care, just wants to make a quick book, that's going to completely flash my personal values and I'm not going to work, I'm not going to work in, in, in that environment. And I think it's what led me to burnout was working in a way that didn't support my values and that's why it's really important but at the time how if if you'd asked me i, I remember the time actually going to uh, maybe be, be, before i came aware of my burnout but say in the stress go see a homeopath if you ever going to see a homeopath one thing they do is they talk a lot to you because they're trying to pretend you and i remember the lady asking me at the time had I goals and had I goals and plans for my life? And I said, no, because at that stage, now I have a 70 page life now, but I didn't back then. I had nothing. And I said, no, but she asked a few questions. End of the conversation, she said to me, Paul, it sounds to me, you're really clear about what you want in your life. And that was an aha moment for me. I was, but I hadn't articulated it. But when you articulate mm. these things. And it, it's back to the planning. When you get it, take the time to think clearly and get it down on paper. Now you have a point of focus. So back then, decades ago, I did have some degree of goals and plans, but I hadn't articulated them clearly. So I was all, I, I didn't have the degree of focus I, I have now. So it's just really important to get that level of focus. Evan. But the, the, so for me, the personal values and the business values, they're very closely linked very closely linked. And once I understand them, it, it enables me to be very, to make sure my working life is very supportive. Because when I wasn't doing that, it wasn't sustainable for me, which has led me into a burnout situation. And when you're not in that, which I think maybe a lot of people aren't, it's soul destroying. It's soul destroying. When you're pursuing your values, you may work very hard. It may take you years or a long time to, to get there, but it's nurturing. But when you're not pursuing your values and you don't have control over your diary, in in my view, it, it's souls destroying. It's a poisonous way of living. Yeah, and it erodes. Just to your point, it's a poison. It erodes away at you. And I think it's important to distinguish too, because you just said it. When you are working towards your values, that doesn't mean you're not going to have hard days. That's not going to mean you're going to have really long days. Days where you're tired. Days where you don't feel yeah. like doing stuff. All that stuff's still present. It's just, there's a distinction though. You, those, they'll have days or even moments like that, but you come back to why you love what you're doing and the values are driving from, and that feeds you again. So it, you ebb and flow still, there's still ebbs and flows to our work and our energy, but when it's aligned with our values, it's sustainable over time and it nurtures us. But when it's not... There's no end in sight is what it feels like. And it's a bottomless pit that it just feels like we're falling in. That's to me, like when I've been in my most burnout points in my life, it feels like I'm just in this deep, dark hole. And I think we even talked about it. We in one did of the episodes, exactly. Kind I of think like it was this. a great analogy. Yeah. That's, that's how it feels. You just can't see anything other than the darkness. It's cold. You're alone. You don't know. It's just nothing. But no matter what, we can climb out of those messes. And I, the key is getting back to who we are and I think driving from there. I think uh, the important thing is when, when we use that analogy of being in a deep pit, we said there's two ways. One, you can be in that pit where you're looking to the ground going, now oh, I'm stuck here, it's hell. And the other thing, you can be looking at the light and going, but I'm climbing out. And now mm. your energy and your focus, and that's vision. Now your energy and focus is, this is where I'm going. And the journey, we described as a rusty old ladder. 
<laughs> the journey of, of climbing of that becomes a journey to freedom, a journey to self-expression, a journey to happiness, to fulfillment, as opposed to a journey climbing a horrible old ladder in, in a horrible old tunnel. It's a complete, it's a completely different perspective. But unfortunately, it's the way many, it's the way many people live. So this is the importance of having a vision in your life. We may at some stage do, do a podcast just on the whole creation of a vision. But I think from a business owner's point of view, to tie in the burnout piece, I think they go, how do you specifically do this? We, talk, we spoke about this last week and this is really important. You really have to learn to say no, to prioritize what's important and be a very narrow focus. You've got to go narrow and deep instead of being a scattered, a, a scattered goal that's going everywhere. So I think we've really got to get people really understanding what they want to do and becoming very focused in that. And Warren Buffett's point, he's one of the richest, most successful men in the world who still at 92 years of age or something that says he dances to work every day. Because the, the guy's one of the richest men in the world could have stopped working 40 years ago. Doesn't he? Loves what he does. So I think when you have that level of focus, it's not about retiring and, uh, and sitting on the beach drinking tequila, unless that's what you want to do. But it's about creating the life you really want to live. And here's advice from one of the, I won the wisest and richest men in the world is, and he's telling us to say no to almost everything and yes to almost nothing. So mm. from a personal point of view and from a business point of view, you really need to learn how to do that. You learn to, you need to learn to delegate. You need to learn to delegate responsibility to other people, particularly from a business point of view. In my experience with business owners, it's a, it's something I find a lot of business owners are really poor at doing. They abdicate responsibility. They walk away from something and they wonder why it doesn't work, but they're very true. Mm. We're delegators. So you need to delegate. You need to eliminate everything in your day that doesn't serve you. So you need to be very conscious of, of activity. I don't care who you are, by the way, there's time in your diary that doesn't serve you. That's not productive and that you could get control over and you could change. So it's not all about doing It's A lot of it is about what am I no longer doing? What maybe you could start there. What's the stuff I don't need to do? And maybe if you get rid of some of that stuff, you're going to find, oh, I actually now have that 30, 60 minutes a day where I can, where I can start to build. And finally, I would say, and this comes to knowing your values, you start choosing consciously what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You're not a random or randomly going in, in, into life and seeing what's going to turn up. What are, oh, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? No, you're getting very specific. And you're beginning to become very conscious about how you're creating your life. To me, the diary, the control of my diary is a weekly ritual. And as we said earlier, it's nothing earlier. It's nothing to do with my diary. It's an allocation of time once a week where I sit down and I remind myself what's more, what's most important to me. And I map out the next week based on delivering on that. And I do that week after week, year after year. And I've been doing it for a long time and it just gets you into a very focused mindset. So yes, to me, my diary, my calendar, it's a, it's just a tool, but it's a very powerful tool if you use it properly. It's the guardian of my focus and attention. It's a reminder mm. not to be distracted, wasting my time and energy on shit that's completely unimportant to me. Mm. And it's so easy to get sucked into everything that's unimportant related to what you need to be doing or what your values are with the world we live in today, with the internet, with cell phones, with technology, with people like you can just reach people instantly texting. Yeah. There's so many things to get distracted by. So that's why this is so important, Paul. And you mentioned too, not just your diary and we're talking, which I think in your mind, the calendar and the diary are very similar, yeah, right? Like you, thing, you can use your, yeah, yeah yep. Because yeah. I think that's, it's I, just this tool. It's just a focused tool. I remember years ago, I don't, they still use the expression. We used to use the expression in computer industry, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. And mm -hmm. if, if you're setting up your week, the, it's the quality of the input. I'm set, I'm not saying my every week is an ideal week, but the input that's going in is quality. Do you know what I mean? I'm very focused on what I want to get. So therefore the output is like quality, but if you're putting garbage in, if you're not allocating the time to really design your life, if you're not allocating the time 
to create what the week has looked like? What, what hope have you got of getting there? And it's funny because you talk about doing this and I, I do something very similar. It's Fridays for me is when I do this. I look at everything that I did during the week. I review what I've done. I look at the things that I didn't get done and what needs to be priority for next week. You start to work and, and it's not only giving you more control of your life, but it also starts to give you a sense of what you actually do, like what you accomplish in the yeah. week and what you get done, which is also very important, not just because it's sometimes it's easy to get to forget what we do when we're in the throes of life and living. We can often forget how much we can get done in a week and we can underestimate our ability to be productive. So these sessions are not only good for prioritizing what we need to be doing, but also reflecting on the things that we've done. And, and you talk a little bit about that here in your notes, right? Like for you, that's part of your process. Yeah, I think it's really easy for each of us to forget just how effective we are, just how successful we are because we don't acknowledge the thing, knowledge of things we've done. And when people think about success and talk about success, they put it up here of what success looks like. Start defining success for yourself. Start realizing that every single day you're doing a whole lot of things that are contributing to your success, that are successful. Maybe it's getting your kids out to school in the morning. Start acknowledging all the, start acknowledging all the things you're doing really well. Give yourself credit for these things. And, and build a muscle. <laughs> I've wrapped this up in the five steps. To me, the, the, purpose, of, the purpose of control of your diary, the purpose of getting the, your, your calendar and, and getting that level of control is to put you in the driving seat. If you want to be in the driving seat, control over your time is, a, is essential. So I would wrap this whole two-episode piece into five steps. And the first step is to get clear on your values. So you've got to know what really matters to you. If you don't know what really matters to you, well, you're just going to be heading, you're just going to be going completely in the wrong direction. And we used the example last week of going to Disneyland. You may take it three days. If you've only got three hours, you'll look at exactly what you need to do and you'll do it. So I, we've got to say, that's what values are. Your values are saying, I have a short life. What can, what can I do with it? So the first step mm. I would say for anyone is get really clear in your values so you're very targeted about how you want to live your life and what you want to do with your life. Start saying no to anything that's not a personal priority. And I think, and Paul, real quick before you move on, values are what matter to you, people, right? Everybody listening, it's, we don't decide your values. Society doesn't decide your values. You have to decide your values. If they're not coming from you, they're going to be really hard to dedicate your life and honor. So I just wanted to say that, like it's, there's really no wrong way to go about defining your values. I will say, unless your values are about destroying the entirety integrity of humanity, that would probably be the one that's, that's not maybe correct. not, but as long as it's building up, creating, right, you can't really go wrong with your values. But anyway, Paul, getting back to if, saying no about if, personal priorities. If you, if you look across society and I don't want to move into a philosophical conversation about whether there is a greater plan or whether there's a God or a universe or everything. Mm. That's a whole deeper conversation. I'm not qualified to give you the answer to that. But if you look across life, we need so many different sets. sets we need so many different sets of skills this morning. This morning, I needed somebody who knows how to cut hair. <laughs> So <laughs> you need someone to service your car. You need a doctor. You need a dentist. You, you need someone who wants to raise children. You need a school teacher. You need people who want to podcast and educate. So our world works because you and I do have one set of skills and we do that. And other people have other sets of skills and they do that because you cannot be a master of all skills. So for some reason, how our planet, how our world has evolved is that Everyone seems to be drawn to different things. So, the, so we're going to be doing this, some rebuilding our house in the coming year. So we will get someone here who's special to do in, in doing that. And that's what fills them with, that's what they love to do. They're creative, they're designers. It's not me. So it's right that we're all called to different things. And somehow with us all being called to different things, the world begins to work. And when you need a plumber, you don't want to call me because I literally cannot open a toolbox, but you, but you want to call someone 
who mind, who's the mind of an engineer or a technician. So we are all wired differently. Exactly. And somehow that needs to work well together. So don't feel guilty over the fact that you don't share Brandon's values. You're not meant to. You're meant to have your own values. But for some reason, we do feel guilty. And this is probably the reason why people feel guilty saying no, because you want me to li line up with your personal priorities and I want mine. And I feel guilty saying no. I think people need to say no. And they need to realize, we discussed this before, saying no, you're also giving a gift to someone because everyone wants to say no to stuff that's unimportant to them. But very, you have the courage. So if you have the courage to say no to stuff that's not important, you're giving the gift to someone else. They may not like the gift the first time you give them, but they'll be in a situation and go, hold a sec, Brandon said no to me and he's still a nice guy and he was polite and he was respectful. We said, no, thank you. Maybe in this situation, I could say in that. So I think you're giving, I think you're giving someone a gift. So once you have your values, when, once you begin to say no, you don't get your values right. And if you, if you don't learn to say no, nothing is going to work for you because you'll say yes to everything. You'll be living someone else's values. Stop here, switch off the podcast because you're wasting time if you're not willing to step up and say no. That's the truth. But if you are willing yep. to say no, then take a practical look at what your schedule looks like now and begin to see how you can begin to tweak that. We've said this before. It doesn't matter if those tweaks are small. I don't mind if they're small. That's cool. As long as you're starting and then those changes are incremental. So you're building on it. So begin to look at what your schedule looks like and bit by bit, start creating a life that reflects you, that reflects your values and your priorities. And now you're building that bit by bit and brick by brick. And so those, so to me, those five steps as a practical tool for someone coming off this podcast, if you can do that, turn your value, start saying no, review your schedule, begin to design it to reflect, to reflect your values, change it bit by bit and just begin brick by brick, beginning building the foundations of the new life you, you want to create. I love it, Paul. That, and that's the... It starts and that's how everything gets done. I think we assume yes, that every things happen like this big ch chunks of activity or movement or progress, but things are really bit by bit, compounding bit, micro bit, step by step by step. That's always the way it's done. And I think the internet has skewed our perception yes. around how progress happens. How and so I think happens. it's an important reminder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it's skewed how quickly it happens. And I remember... Um, and it, it, maybe I, I don't, again, I don't remember exactly how long this go, but around the time when I made this major change, I went over, I did the, I did the weekend in London, I did the firewalk. I realized I had to radically change my life. I came back, I radically changed my life and it became evident to people I did. And I, because it was so exciting and wonderful for me, I spoke about it all the time. I don't know, but I spoke about it all the time. And we had dinner parties with friends and I would speak about it all the time, but I was also at the time, spending a lot of money traveling to seminars, all these sort of things, and people thought it was crazy. But the interesting thing was that I used to tell these stories uh, of the amazing change I made in my life. And after a while, my wife began to interject and correct me. I don't know if I've told you this before, but she would interject and go, Paul, the stories are true. Yes, you have done all this and you've radically changed your life. But you have because you were leaving out the hard stuff, yeah, right? That's the thing. She talks that she would call you out. Like you're making it like it's easier than what yes. it was. You struggled for years and, before you created well, this clarity. And that's, that's the point. And it's, yep. And when she started doing this, she annoyed, look, I'm a, I'm an optimist. I'm a go-getter. So that's my nature. <laughs> I, you know, so I will talk, I will, I will give you the easy talk. That's my nature. And she would go, hold a sec. And initially. It used to annoy me that she was, oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, I did spend years of struggle and fighting. It was very, and it was, in the early days, it got easier. It was enormously difficult. I had enormous challenges to conquer, to face down. It was really hard. And, she, and after a while, I began to go, wow, it's the most important part of the story. What I'm leaving out is the most, she's right. I need to tell people this. It's not because people want to hear about my hardships. Is because people might misunderstand and they might think, oh, Paul decided one day he wants to create a, a, a better life and did it. No, I didn't. Exactly. Why? 
because nobody does and nobody I've ever met does. And, and it's really important as we're at this point of really having covered all these weeks of talking about where the mess you can be in. And as you're creating something new, to me, my wife's interjection is the most important part. It is not easy, but you're climbing out of the pit. But is it, does it really matter to you? Does it really matter to you? Is it really important? Because it did. And so that's where, that's what's really important for me to share. That, that, that it's hard, but it's worth it. Paul, we talked too about time, you know, that time by Earl Nightingale, that time will pass regardless. That's just, so make the most of that time. The same thing related here is life is hard regardless. It's hard no matter what. Yeah. It takes effort. There's going to be challenges. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to walk up against things that are challenging. The power is in choosing your hard. Choose the things that matter to you. Choose the things that you care about. Choose the things you value and choose your hard because hard is actually good. It makes us better. It we grow from it and, and it creates it. force. Yeah. yeah. So just pick the hard, be selective about what is your hard because Time's going to pass and life's going to be a challenge regardless. So, and, and one of the reasons, one of the reasons I started writing and communicating and want to do this podcast, one of the reasons was simply that I'm 58 years of age in a couple of weeks time. And I can look back over 30s because I remember the excitable young book I was and my enthusiasm and all the things I wanted to do. And I look at the life I've created for myself, which I'm very privileged and very grateful but I also get to see lots of people around me who haven't created lives like that. And I'm going to go, am I lucky? Yeah, of course. Did I do some different stuff? Yeah, that's the truth. I did some different stuff. So my passion now is communicating to people who are 20 or 30 years younger than me. It works. It may take a lifetime, but where you will end, as you said, you will end where you will end up is completely different. And if you're young and you're 20, 30 years younger than me, if you take this, the inner entrepreneur journey of creating your own life, you're going to end up in such a different place in 20 or 30 years time. And the difference is incredible and it's really worth it. I appreciate people giving us the time. I, so, so to re really get value in the last two episodes in particular, uh, what I would like people to do is to write down the four, four personal values, a short list, fourth, six things, what really matters to you. So get a sheet of paper, take some time, what really matters to you. You may re revisit in a couple of weeks and, and, and it may tweak. That's okay. You're starting. What really matters to you? Get those down on paper, please, or, or on a remarkable tablet. That's also cool. <laughs> but I don't want them just in your head. I want them somewhere you can look. That's the first thing. Begin to create a personal vision. Begin to have you understand what matters to you and begin to know what you really want for your life. Where are you heading? What's the big dream? Where are you going? Get that vision down. Know what really matters to you. Know the vision. Know where you're going. You got those two things, then get some specific actions. So, so you have a big vision, get some specific short-term goals and action. Take some right then go, I'm heading this. I'm climbing out of the hovel. I can see the light. The light's the vision. This is where I'm going. A specific action every day I'm going to climb 10 rungs of this ladder may be hard I don't care I'm going to do it and I would also say that the next step would be to schedule quiet time beginning or the end of your week to think to reflect on all these things and review them all the time and to schedule time to think about what way you want your week to look like and to begin to take control of moving your life in the right direction. And this is how you start taking control of your diary. So that time is going to be important because if you identify your values, if you have the visions, if you have the goals and you're taking the actions, you need to be reviewing every week, sitting down and you're doing those things. You will do, some people will do major things. Some people do small things. I don't care. Just do something. Track it, keep moving forward. You, you have no idea how far you can go. You've no idea what you're capable of. Ah, yes, that's 
If there is one message that you take from our show is you have no idea what you're capable of, you know, have you have no idea what you can create. And I think that's so true for all of us, because at the end of the day, Paul, that's what it's about. And that's how we make the world this incredible place when all of us buy into that simple belief that we can do incredible things because we can. No matter where How we can find we possibly today? know until we try? We just can't. It's impossible. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, you're going to do the time anyway. Do what you can to make it a life worth living. Exactly. Great summary there, Paul. So we've got way the way it's shaping up on our burnout series. We've got one more single focused episode next week around the invest principle. We're going to talk about that. It's not the typical investing no, that you're thinking it's investing of. In yourself. It's what you need to do to maintain. Exactly. And then we're going to do an episode where we bring all of these concepts together in a big overarching summary. So if somebody doesn't want to listen to the seven prior Why episodes. Why would they listen to that? Right, what? exactly. Of well, course it, not. It also will be a great summary for people to wrap it up because it's, it's been long. We wanted to it's give a lot it, of information. Yeah, but it'll also be a great summary for people as well. Exactly. Well, Paul, I sure appreciate you, brother. Likewise, this has been man. a ton of Thank fun. We. As the audience, your attention, your ears, all that is is very valuable to us because really, really is. all of us, no matter our level of success or money or any of that, we all share the same amount of time. So you giving us your time is the most we valuable really and honorable thing you can do. So we certainly appreciate it. So, Paul, I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you next week. Until next week. Thank you for listening to The Inner Entrepreneur. If you found value in our content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your attention and take care.